One of the most brilliant farmers I've ever been around is from Podunk, Arkansas, with this real thick, slow drawl. You know, I'm visiting with this guy, he's a rice farmer, and you know, just as, as wonderful, kind hearted, good old boy as he can be. I really like um, the Oppenheimer story, well, well before there was a movie being made about it. I don't remember how we were on the topic, we were, we were at, at, at my uh, farm, and I brought up that I just read this book. The making of the atomic bomb. I've been background. I, I did my undergrad in physics. I, I like science, hard sciences quite a bit. And I uh, and and this farmer just absolutely. He's like, oh yeah, by Richard Rhodes, and then just like schools me on my knowledge of, of physics. <laughs> Hello and welcome, everyone. The Good Work Podcast is an exploration of the men and women shaping agland investments. Agriculture is made up of some of the best people doing some of the best work in the world. Wendell Berry refers to this as humble, faithful, and skillful people and work that connects us to and honors the gifts we receive from land and life. So join us as we learn from the humble, skillful, and faithful leaders who are shaping the present and future of Agland. This is good work. Carter Loy is the founder and CEO of Acre Trader. Carter grew up in an Arkansas farming family and has had a lifelong passion for investing, agriculture, and conservation. Prior to founding Acre Trader, he was part of an equity investment firm and a managing director with Stevens Inc. We're so excited to have Carter Malloy uh, with us today. Um, can think of a few people who are leading uh, the farmland industry uh, like like Carter and Acre Trader. And so, Carter, we're going to start with the hard-hitting question. We really don't pull any punches on the Good Work podcast. So here it is. If you could take one player from the 94 Razorbacks basketball team and <laughs> the, current, the current lineup, who would it be? And again, we're sorry that we're going to just lead off with such a hard-hitting question. <laughs> yeah, you got to start with the coach, right? Yeah, Richardson. Yes. My uh, one of my best friends is a is a Razorback, and so um, I've I've been well educated in Nolan Richardson lore. <laughs> nice. The reason we ask such a, a hard hitting question as this is it it alludes to your story that's rooted in Arkansas. You've got this really unique full circle story of growing up with your dad as a farmer, and you gained chops as an investor at Stevens, and then. Putting these two loves of land and, and investing together with Acre Trader. Would love to hear just kind of the story of, of leading up to uh, to Acre Trader for you. So for for me, um, you know, pr- probably in that similar area in the in the in the Nolan era, uh, early to mid nineties here. That, that's you know, my first like, recognition as a as a teenager, I guess. That hey, that this place I've been going to my whole life and hanging out. You know, actually, like it's not just space and open land and and uh, you know nice air. We're growing insane amounts of food here, and gaining context on on just how important that was to the world was was a, a fun moment for me and rec- as to, to recognize as a, as a kid, I guess. But really, like not until I was into my professional career, uh, you know, ten fifteen years later, that I started recognizing it as, as an actual asset as well and, and an investable at that. And so began to build an appreciation uh, for for farmland and this thing that I've grown up with a, a passion for, uh, rural America and and farming. I guess is the best way to put it. And so I'd been buying and selling and, and trying to accumulate some land uh, here in Arkansas and just absolutely was in love with it. 
while doing equity investing by, by day. So I spent about a dozen years investing professionally, but this was a, a big passion of mine. So more or less through conversation with my dad, I guess, some seven, eight years ago at this point, began to recognize, hey, there's actually a business opportunity here uh, to go build something, to bring others into the fold here and to, to build a, uh, a marketplace business where we can have investors, smaller investors come and participate. So you know, rather than having to put down a million or, or $10 million, uh, which which you still can do through our site, but you can start with as little as twenty thousand. Uh, investors can come get access to this asset class while also helping farmers to grow their business. So I don't know. It's a it, you, hear, you hear a lot about folks getting lucky and stumbling into things, and and I would say I spent a dozen years looking at other businesses as an investor and thinking how on earth did they come up with this idea or how did this opportunity ever exist? And uh, here I am, fortunate enough to have stumbled into one myself. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so before we dive more into Acre Trader, um, we'd love to talk about farmland investing a little bit more. Um, you guys are really excellent about giving into the ecosystem and educating investors about farmland. And um, your May 2023 report, Investing in U.S. Farmland, was really excellent. And we're going to add that into our show notes for all the listeners. So give us your top reasons to invest in farmland. If you were to kind of give a uh, a 101, what are your top reasons to invest in farmland? Speaking historically, looking out over time spans of, of decades, farmland has been a pretty interesting investment asset class for, for a, a couple of select reasons. One is the consistency of returns. So since 1990, which is really since the, the index and uh, measurement of this really formally began, uh, the, the returns have been fairly consistently uh, low double digits, you know, 11%, give or take. So not, oh my gosh, amazing, sexy home run stuff, but the consistency of those returns is what's been so impressive. Whereas other uh, asset classes that most, you know, often tend up to returning around that same amount, reality is you'll have a year where you have 25% returns, a year you have negative 15 and uh, farmland has just been far more consistent. And so in, in professional investor speak, that's that's sharp ratio. It, is, it has put up quite an impressive sharp ratio or, or risk-adjusted returns because th- that just hasn't shown the same amount of price volatility that, that so many other mainstream asset classes have. So first and foremost is that consistency or compounding, you know, that, that wealth preservation has been a, a pretty fascinating component of farmland investing. Second is that it has really shown correlation to other asset classes. So uh, where often you know, many public and, and private assets will, will move or be influ- their price action will be influenced by one another, we haven't seen the, the same with farmland. In fact, can find very little correlation to any major asset classes out there. Uh, we can find one economic indicator that has some, some correlation to, and that takes me to step three, which is inflation. Uh, so... It has shown some correlation over longer periods of time uh, to inflation in that it returns higher in inflationary environments uh, as, a, as a general statement. And so that that potential hedge investors can get against inflation, the diversification and the compounding are all quite nice or, or have been quite nice, excuse me. But perhaps also really excitingly about farmland is it's a tangible asset, right? We we own something that that makes food, fuel, and fiber. So this isn't uh, speculating on the the greater fool theory. This isn't buying some non productive asset like, like gold that could be an inflation hedge. 
Uh, and instead, we're actually growing things on a farm and growing things where, by the way, we only have so much farmland and it's shrinking and we have more and more mouths to feed. So, so pretty fascinating supply and demand economics as well. Long with an answer, but a number of reasons that we see lots of investors uh, reading through white papers like the one you just mentioned and spending time with our team to understand more about farmland investing. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, that's an interesting point too. You said, uh, the food, fuel and fiber. I think that that's a good point too, just from a human perspective of the why behind, you know, it can't, it can't always just be about the money, right? It can't, can't always just be about, um, about, you know, the, the business side of it and the, the human and, um, human benefit is, um, I'm sure, I'm sure a big why behind, um, like why, you know, why we all like farmland and the interactive nature of it versus some of the other asset classes. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, is with, with investment products, we, we tend to talk about the numbers a lot, but there, there really is a, uh, a, an exciting emotional aspect to what we do, you know, in, in common terminology, uh, you know, it's, social and environmental benefits, uh, we tend not to lead with those things because when somebody says, hey, nice to meet you, you can trust me, uh, that's usually a pretty big warning sign. <laughs> you know, but with, with, that, with that being said, we, we, we do absolutely believe there are real benefits of, of our platform and investing in farmland in, in general. I, one of those is environmental benefits. We, we've got to be good stewards of land and the soil that grow our food. And so we, we enroll all of our acres in leading harvest, which is a sustainability standard. And uh, a, a hugely important one to us is frankly, you know, folks in Arkansas that uh, a lot of, a lot of folks here come from farming families and drag mud in all their boots to come uh, be computer scientists or whatever, whatever, uh, uh, data scientists, whatever it may be during the day uh, is, is we intend to and do help farmers grow their business. And it's a, it's an aspect of our, of our company that is perhaps not apparent enough, but we aim to source investment opportunities from farmers and work alongside them to help them grow their business. As you can imagine, lots of farmers have fixed uh, amounts of equipment and real economies of scale in their business, may not have the the capital in their pocket to go buy the $5 million farm coming up for sale next door. So those folks are our actual partners here. Those are the folks out there hunting for us uh, trying to find land to expand their operation. They bring it in here, we review it, and yeah, you know, we have to say no to the extreme majority of it that we we see. Uh, but on occasion, we find a partnership that works and find a farmer that we're uh, excited to underwrite and work alongside. So long-winded answer because it's something that I and we as a company feel really passionate about, that uh, we we do lean in farmer first and view that as uh, not only the responsible thing to do, but actually the best way to invest here. Well, Carter, you're you're speaking to this win-win with your two-sided marketplace. So I think for just the listeners who uh, may not have a, a full sense of the Acre Trader platform, and um, you think you've done a great job of showing how you educate the investor audience, and now speaking to um, your your farming operator audience, but. Yeah, share share more about how you create this this win win in in both sides of those of the those marketplaces. So alignment of incentives is a thing that we often hear about because it works. <laughs> and so, uh, to to put it straightforward, uh, we are 
just as interested, if not more so, in the appreciation of farmland as we are in the income coming off of it. Mm. That's typically the way that investors can make money in farmland, right? Number one is income, either via rent or revenue share. Number two is the appreciation of the asset class. We see lots of folks go and try to lever the extra 5 or $10 of rent out of farmers uh, to, to get that income component up just a little bit higher. So, so first is we, we are not uh, convinced that is a good practice uh, to, to create the real upside. You want to be partners with that farmer and have them taking care of the land that, that they are working on. Uh, so, so first is beginning with that sort of mentality of a- approaching farmers, allowing them to have lo- longer-term contracts to work with us on, and not there to just scrape every dollar out of their pocket or every, every penny revenue share, but instead making sure that uh, they are incentivized to take care of the land that they're on. So step one is uh, how you approach the market, and then step two is some of the mechanical components we can use. So I mentioned a moment ago that, as an example, we, we approach it uh, approach the market approaching farmers rather than landowners uh, so that they can grow their business. By the way, they know those landowners, those local landowners way better than we do anyway, so they tend to find good deals out there. Uh, second is that we can then partner with them in, in some creative ways. We, we have a broker dealer inside of our business. And so we, we can work with those farmers to allow them to uh, actually take an interest to that farm. Rather, they, they can invest directly in it and own some of it. So I mentioned a $5 million farm. Maybe that farmer saved up $100,000 and they want to be invested. Suddenly, we have very aligned incentives. Uh, in, in some cases, we can even set up where that the farmer has a carried interest or where they can earn upside uh, from the appreciation of that farm over time. And so there, there are a varying number of deal structures and approaches to the market. But in general, if you align incentives, then it tends to work uh, well or, or better for the parties involved. Carter, I, I want to come back to the uh, broker-dealer. But first, you said something that just piqued my interest. I think people would be interested in un- unpacking the as far as the incentives for the farmer you talked about a longer term deal you know for us commercial real estate guys you know we've always dealt with the uh aversion of tenants to tie up long term can you kind of unpack why that's attractive to a farmer for some of our listeners who who might get hung up there yeah i'm glad you glad you called that out it's a one of many uh seemingly bizarre idiosyncrasies of our asset class right. is that uh, landlords want short-term, generally speaking, tend to aim for short-term leases. And uh, I can say from, from what I've seen in this industry, the extreme, extreme majority of leases are one year. And and that is often because the landlord wants the opportunity to renegotiate that lease and to improve rents. It may, may be more than your standard inflation escalator uh, in any given year. The farmer is sort of the inverse of that, right? They, they want consistency in where they're farming and uh, they, they want to get to know the fields. They want to be able to make investments in those fields that last multiple years. So generally speaking, the, the turnover is not high, but, but still the landowners want that optionality uh, of annual leases with, with farmers. That, that can create some perverse incentives or some, some issues between landowners and farmers. And uh, we are... Big believers, and again, if, if we're not here just uh, sharp elbowing the farmer in every every situation possible, that they tend to act with with our best interests and their own in mind also. So that that field tends to get planted on time because they want to show consistency of yield in that field. So like like being explicit, right? It's it's time to go plant soybeans, and I've got eighteen fields to plant. I uh, 
but it's going to rain a bunch. And so I'm going to get some of these things in on time. And then some of them I know are going to get delayed. Uh, so I'm going to have to work until four o'clock in the morning planting for the next couple of, or couple of days. That farmer will, will tend to default to, I'm going to take care of the land that I know I'm going to be on uh, and, and, you know, the partnerships that I know are long-term. So as, as a result, we believe that these types of longer-term lease, lease structures, and I'm talking three or five years, uh, can be advantageous to the relationship and ultimately to the returns. Uh, though, though, again, we're, we are the, the odd ducks here. <laughs> Almost everybody's on one year. And what's, what's fascinating to consider, I think anybody in the world of CRE looks at us and says, why on earth would you do that? Uh, you know, what about uh, vacancy? What about uh, default? Those tend to be things we don't spend much time thinking about in our world. Uh, if you're in a good farming area, there's plenty of t- other tenants that want to grow their business. So vacancy tends to be very, very low. If, if you're actively trying, you know, pretty, pretty much near zero. And, and similar with, with defaults, uh, farmers often pay upfront or pay a large portion of their rent upfront uh, before even planting. So uh, again, lots of, and, and this is like one of many rabbit holes we can go into in the world of farmland that are idiosyncratic, but in, but in ways uh, potentially really exciting for investors. I, I'm always really interested in, in like the people side of, of the business and just, you know, in our experience with farmers, there's always, you know, there's always good stories that come up and, my my first question would be how many deals have you guys done on under the acre trader platform i'd be curious to know that and then um what's your best or your favorite story of a farmer acre trader relationship in in your portfolio whether it's um you know just the connection or something funny that happened or you know you can kind of choose the direction with that question but just curious from a from a people standpoint what's the best story of farmer acre trader relationship yeah, so we've done 130 something offerings, if, if I recall correctly, about uh, around 45,000 acres. Uh, that's in 18 or 19 US states and a couple states in Australia. Uh, so uh, a, a good breadth of experience there and uh, growing, you know, continuing to grow that at, a, at an attractive clip. In terms of favorite farmer stories, uh, rather than, you know, it's like picking your favorite kid I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah next, you know, next question is who which of your kids is your favorite <laughs> <laughs> or uh um uh, uh sorry that was that distracting i was thinking about my kids and i <laughs> <laughs> tried not to do what you you asked me to do i or, or picking our favorite investment which is something i actually do have to be a little bit cautious of so in, instead what i'll say and maybe this is because you know it's the area that i'm from uh, is one of the most brilliant farmers I've ever been around. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, can, can run circles around most people we've ever met in our, in our fancy world of capital markets <laughs> uh, is, is from Podunk, Arkansas with this real thick, slow drawl. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I'm visiting with this guy, he's a rice farmer and, you know, just as, as wonderful, kind hearted, good old boys he can be. And uh, I, I really like um, the Oppenheimer story. Well, well before there was a movie being made about it, and, and I don't remember how we were on the topic. We were we were at at, at my uh, farm, and I brought up that I just read this book, uh, the making of the atomic bomb. I've been background. I, I did my undergrad in physics. I I like science, hard sciences quite a bit, and uh, and and this farmer 
just absolutely, he's like, oh yeah, by Richard Rhodes. And then just like schools me on my knowledge of, of physics. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but in this like super kind, thoughtful uh, way with, with a real slow draw in his voice. And I, I just, I love the unassuming nature of so many folks in rural America and how incredibly talented and, and bright people are. Uh, I, I go on about a farmhand that, that our farm, Busey, who's one of my favorite human beings on, on earth, uh, is 80s and still works every day of his life. And my, my favorite quote of his is, you stop moving, you die. And uh, it's pretty, pretty true. But anyway, like I, I, I can go on this topic forever, but uh, suffice to say, I, there, there's a, a lot of incredible farmers out there in the world. And uh, some of my, my favorite folks I know. Oh, um, we couldn't agree more. And, um, and, and that's a, it, it seems um, a big reason why you guys became a, a broker dealer where you could work even closer with these um unassuming but um really really sharp and and um and and thoughtful farmers um but maybe because it is it is unique um i i haven't seen it anywhere else in the industry but give us a sense of what you you alluded to this earlier but what you can do as a broker dealer as it relates to creating a a unique win-win relationship with your your farming partners yeah, it's, it's a broad statement, uh, a broker-dealer license, and, and there are many varying forms of that, uh, can can allow a business to work with securities and uh, work more closely in, in structuring deals uh, with, with those putting deals together. So in, in our case, as a general statement, what that means is we can work uh, a, a more closely alongside farmers uh, to, to put together offerings. And and also, uh, you know, have more unique financial structures within those offerings, so that uh, those farmers have more opportunities to win. Uh, being very uh, general about it, I, I can go on for for days being specific, but uh, it's it's a it's a really exciting evolution in our business, and one that uh, we hope to be able to utilize more and more going forward. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and how um. It, Getting a little bit specific, is there um, in in creating kind of a the the farmer being able to participate in some cases in the promote? How do those um, uh, specific relationships or um, deal structures are they deal by deal, or is there a certain structure that um, are are presented to to farmers uh, where they get to participate in? A success of, of an investment. There are some standardized bones, but but it, it tends to be a little bit different offering by offering. Um, you know, but but as, as a general sense, you, you've got you've got it, and that we we like co investments from farmers, and uh, we like them to have some some carried interest or, or promote uh, within an offering as well. Carter, technology has been such a strong part of your all's platform and your your growth, and and we're seeing so much growth in in ag tech right now, um, from real-time data management at planting and harvest to drone application, autonomous and electric vehicles, what's what's most interesting and, and exciting to you in this aspect of the industry and kind of the current environment? What's what's most interesting to to me is, well, actually, let me, let me invert that and say what's least interesting to me is the 
huge number of companies uh, that are saying, hey, I, I can I can run the farm better. Let me teach the farmer how to do this uh, and or not considering, you know, what what types of technologies the the on-farm folks are actually going to implement. So I, I actually believe, like, for, first say it with, that, with a negative statement, I, I believe that there's a, a fairly material shakeout coming in the world of ag tech from from folks that built pie-in-the-sky promises to their investors without actually considering what their customer wanted in the first place. Yeah, that's so. uh, and, and there's a lot of that's a lot of it out there. Uh, where where I'm particularly interested in uh, is is some of the yield enhancement technologies going on. Uh, so whether that's uh, amendments or genetics, there's there's a lot of really promising technology in that part of the world. Uh, I have a personal uh, affinity or or love for imagery, uh, and so what's what's happening in providing more and more uh, real time satellites and or you know like LEO low Earth orbit or on farm imagery uh, and processing that at scale. I think there's some some pretty promising stuff to come out of the back of that as well. But you know again things that things that help the farmer directly and therefore that the farmer will adopt. Uh, that that's the stuff that I think uh, will will win in the end. And if if it can help us grow more food and make that farm more productive, that is something really exciting to me. On the data side, I guess it, it's a good lead in into Acres.com, and we would love for you to just tell our audience more about your Acres.com platform. We a couple of years ago, we, we had spent our life as a company bouncing between. I mean, this is really six different software subscriptions uh, to understand land. And on top of that, we were building our own databases, having to go into county courthouses, having to use GIS, which is this uh, like very antiquated software to under to to again sort of try to understand land and layer different layers of land. And it was just incredibly, incredibly complicated. It was difficult to manage difficult to underwrite uh quickly and difficult to man uh to to also host and manage our own data so we we began building our own platform uh and, and we can use fun words like data science platform and geospatial analytics uh but to put it simply what it, what it really is is a a, a mapping and data management software uh that, that helps us and and now others to understand and value land with confidence. And so that's a place where you can go and immediately do uh, what you would call like your armchair diligence on a farm, right? So going and zooming in and understanding what the potential is of this farm, what are the structural bones of it, what's the productivity of it, uh, what's the value of the neighboring farms. I get a good sense of comparable sales, which for folks in CRE, you're like, oh, that's easy. I just go go over to CoStar or some derivative of that to get my comparable sales or in the world of uh, uh, single family homes. It's, oh, there's, there's the MLS. I got all the data I need. Those things do not exist in our world. Uh, so we've, we've built our own version of that and we built it for us initially. And then this year we began commercializing it with, with the intent of uh, really sharing with the industry uh, so that we can work with more folks, right? We're in the, in the transaction business ultimately. And so the, the more uh, transparency, and liquidity and, and access we can bring to this world of, of farmland, then uh, we think the bigger our business can can grow. So we we are a very happy uh, subscriber or customer of, of Acres.com. 
new subscriber, but excited to uh, add that to the Quiver Tools for us. You know, you, you guys just added the the power line mapping function, which is really valuable for us. We're currently underwriting a farm that's got the potential for wind and solar upside. I've even looked at potential for uh, data centers. But tell us what other implements that you've you guys are working on to launch uh, down the road as as acres uh, expands. Yeah, I, I think um, what what we want to be like there, there's a trade off on our end. What we want to be cautious of is just building features to build them. Yeah, uh, and just putting more layers on there, more and more bells and whistles, uh, just because we think it's cool. And so, in, in, instead, the, the approach we take is. Uh, build a light version of something, expose it to the market, and ask for their feedback. So that the power lines is a great example where we we just released that I think last week, and we put it out with a beta tag on it. Hey, tell us what you think about this, and um, you know that will help us to then all right, let's go make a, a much more significant investment here, or 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 maybe not. Maybe this is not what what folks want. As as a general statement going forward. Uh, the thing that we are most interested in is doubling down and then doing that again uh, on the world of data. Uh, so originating data for users, you know, not what, what we don't want to be is just another map, right? Or another place that you go click around like Google Earth. Uh, what, what instead we aim to be is a, a, a provider and a source of high quality, cleaned and, and unique data. Carter, like back, back on the, the feedback, I mean, it, are you... It, where where does that come from? Uh, are it, and is your your customer base weighted more towards uh, farmers or landowners? And and based on what your answer to that is, do, do you see that changing in any way in the in the future? One side growing more than the other. Uh, yeah, loving each stuff there. Yeah, we we've got a a. a pretty sizable base of that that persona the farmers and landowners and we're talking like a, a you know we really began commercializing this year but that that base of users is well into the six figures at this point of of individual users of the software and then and the idea there is pretty simple right bring bring value to the market uh, help people to understand and and to value their land and and some of them will come work with us and and so that that's pretty straightforward. And then behind that, building a, a much more powerful suite of tools uh, for the the land professional, right? So there's a farming professional, there's a land landowner, and then there's land professionals. Uh, so that's folks that are uh, buying land, selling land, brokering it, managing it, investing in it. Uh, you know, people that think about it every day. Or in the case of power lines, as you just brought up. Uh, you know, solar developers, right? They're looking to to understand more of, uh, where substations are, as an example. So th- that's that's a little bit of the behind the scenes in terms of how we we think about the product. And again, our our primary goal there is just improve data quality for this industry, and and we think by by doing so that helps us to grow our business. Carter, we had the opportunity to connect with you in our office here in Dallas, and one of the conversations we had because it just came from a Sincere um, observation on our end is we've now interacted with um, many of your your team um, across AcreTrader, across Acres.com, and 
it's uh, very evident to us that you uh, have a really strong culture because you're you're doing something right because everyone we meet is uh, is just really great and uh, we wouldn't say it unless it's been true. Uh, so it it begs the question, and and really just would love to hear maybe more philosophically or from a a culture formation. How how do you go about doing that? You're you're doing something right uh, because uh, everyone we interact with. Um, at AcreTrader has been really high quality. If you think my answers today have been verbose, I, I say that because you know you, you asked me about farmer personas. It's like something I just I, <laughs> I, I think the things I love most in this world are people at the end of the day and uh, just how in, incredible people can be. And uh, that is especially true within our, our business here and the folks that I get to come to work with every day. You know, first is like the the obvious, like I have to spend uh, as, as much time or more with these folks as, as I do with my, my own family. And so it, it is important that I enjoy working here and the same is true for them. So so first is orienting around, my, my goals are, are fairly simple. I want to work with brilliant people that want to have an impact and want to grow a business and and want to lean in and do really cool and creative stuff. And that means that this is not the place to work uh, for for most people uh, that that fit that that both they want this and we want them. Uh, but beyond that is really more important is to center on what what do people that work here want, right? What what's going to attract the absolute best talent to to be here? And I, I think if I'm to boil that down, it's it's an opportunity for growth, right? It's what what so many of us want uh, is is personal and professional growth and to get better. And that's really what we're looking for is people that want that. And inversely, we can create an environment for them to thrive, uh, you know, treat them like adults, give them freedom and responsibility, uh, make sure there's incredible talent density around the business so that we're all driven to come in here and, and push every day through, through thick and through thin. And so that, that's really where I try to, not, not where, I, where I spend most of my time as a manager and where uh, most of the other managers here do as well is how do we create an environment to let the brilliant people we work with really thrive. From a from a setting standpoint, you guys are obviously based in Northwest Arkansas in Fayetteville. Um, what what influence does that have? That culture of Northwest Arkansas kind of have on your your company? What do you love about Fayetteville and being based in in that region? Yeah, like one, there's the emotional part of it, which is I just I like this place. I also uh, am a big champion of rural America and, and small town America. And I, I love the idea that a, a group of people in uh, a town as small as this uh, can be as effective or more uh, than a group of people who fancy themselves to, to be the smartest around and, and that, you know, you name your big city. So you know, part, part of it is just an emotional thing. Uh, then part of it is a, a, a realistic component of, of the thesis of locating Acre Trader here and why, why I, I and my family moved back here to start the business. And, and that is that there, like, there, there's actually an incredible amount of talent here. Uh, in specifically Northwest Arkansas, there's university here and there's some, uh, some of the world's largest employers here. And so we, we, we've got a, just a great, a great talent pool to draw from. And so our, our goal is pretty simple. Let's, let's build a really great company that, it's fun to work at and is really challenging and allows for personal growth and we can attract some of that that area best talent. So uh, I I absolutely love 
working here. Love building a business here with the people I get to build it with every day. And uh, I, I really love the investment thesis in general. Like there's some, uh, Steve Case is a good example, uh, the founder of, of AOL, got a, a revolution, rise the rest fund. Mm. And uh, he, he, that's actually their investor in our business. Uh, that's their whole thesis is we're going to go invest in the, the, call it the flyover states, go invest in middle America where, you know, all the, the capital has been attracted to the coasts, but the talent is pretty well dispersed throughout the country. Um, a funny, kind of funny side note here, our, our office, um, right outside of our kitchen, there's a huge billboard and it just, when you're, when you're in the kitchen, you can see, you know, so we always hope it's something pleasing, you know, to the eye, a funny, funny thing. And I'll send this to you guys, a few, uh, this was March of 2022. I took this picture. There's a giant billboard right outside of our office that says you belong here. And then it said, break up with Dallas. And it was an ad for Northwest Arkansas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it said, like, uh, what does it say? It, it says, what does it say? Um, it says, life works here. And it's this this Northwest Arkansas um, ad. And so I sent it to my friends up in Northwest Arkansas. I'm like, man, what a that's a direct hit toward toward Dallas sites. Send us your best and brightest. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, we. So I'm actually I, I sit on this uh, I, uh, the executive committee of the Northwest Arkansas Council that puts those ads out, and we had some more even more aggressive ones in Austin. It's like uh, something about your, your exes in Texas, and uh, we yeah, we ran some throughout the country, and uh, yeah, absolutely. We we are a, a pro growth region, and we we want to recruit some some more bright folks here. Well, it's also, it, it's it's so authentic to you know, this this audience of investors who you're growing an investor base and an asset class. And then the, the, the core of, um, on the, um, on the supply side, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a real story, but it's also a relatable story, um, that, uh, I'm sure is, is helpful to an asset class that is literally for the most part, um, in, in middle America. And it is part of the, the rise of the rest, um, uh, emphasis on on the flyover state, so it it it. I bet it strikes an authentic chord. Carter, okay, on, on, while on Northwest Arkansas, I got to know what's what's your perfect Saturday plan. You know, you got a Saturday with nothing nothing to do. What are you What are you doing in Fayetteville? Uh, well, the the cool news is here we've got four full seasons, so it depends on the time of year. Uh, but the the easy answer is is as long as it involves uh, my my wife and two daughters and our dog, then uh, I'm I'm pretty happy. Your favorite daughter? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would bring that back up. <laughs> I never forget Carter. I never forget. <laughs> well, we're gonna end. Uh, we we try to ask it. A similar set of questions to all of our guests that we call uh, good questions, and um, and so that the first question is, we we usually call this the the dream uh, foursome of golfing, but in your case, um, it'll be the dream foursome for duck hunting. And so you could pick three people, dead or alive, that you're going to go duck hunting with uh, along with you. Who who are those three people, and why? So. Uh, this is going to sound like a, a cop out. The three people I just named, uh, my, my wife and two daughters, like, um, and, and it's probably because my, my, our, our daughters are like six and seven right now. So I'm in the Goldilocks zone. 
But uh, I, I, you know, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life uh, at, at home. And I just, every minute I can get with them, I, I would like to have. I'm, I'm sure there's some, some like way smarter sounding answer out there of, of all the dead people I want to spend time with, but we'll uh, there. Champion duck hunters. So that's a fantastic answer. Yes, absolutely. And in a hundred years, it's all new people, right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, finally, Carter, give us, uh, give us your definition of good work. Name of our podcast. What, what, you, what comes to mind when we say those two words? I mean, maybe I'm unique, but like going home exhausted because you got a whole lot of stuff done at work today is a great feeling. Going home frustrated because you entered Groundhog Day and did the same crap over and over again today is a terrible feeling. Yeah. Uh, so I, fulfilling work to me is is good work. Man, thank you so much for, for your time. We really appreciate it. This was fun conversation and, and always learn a lot talking to you. So uh, we thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Carver. Morgan, appreciate you guys. It's great, great to visit with you. Yeah, you too. This episode is brought to you by McFarland Capital Partners. At McFarland Capital Partners, our mission is to cultivate people and property with passion and purpose. McFarland Capital Partners has a 30 plus year history as a private equity sponsor in real estate. Our current investment focus is on ag land investments in farmland, vineyards, and ranch land. We love ag land as an asset class and are blessed to partner with some of the most talented operators in the sector. We're actively investing in Agland investments between five and 40 million, and I don't mind saying we have an excellent team executing and stewarding at the highest level. You can see and learn all about this and more at mcfarland.com. Trevor Hightower, Mac McFarland, and Morgan Stallings are partners and principals at McFarland Capital Partners. All opinions expressed by Trevor, Mac, Morgan, and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of McFarland Capital Partners. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions.